All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches, parents, players. Welcome to this week's episode of the 8020 Baseball Masterclass, where we are trying to master the key, pivotal parts, the most impactful parts of baseball, youth baseball. And now, while we do talk specifically about youth baseball, because one, it's just so much bigger than even high school and college and pro put together, it's youth baseball, so many more players and coaches. And I truly feel it's underserved. And I've talked about those reasons why I think that is in previous podcasts, but make no mistake about it. This is a youth baseball podcast, but we definitely dive into some advanced things. The way I approach this podcast and how I share things out, I try to strip away all the extra complexity, give it to you as simple and as streamlined as possible, as efficient and streamlined as direct as possible to being a better coach. But that doesn't mean we don't talk about advanced things because I know all of you are super intelligent people and you can handle what I'm sharing out here on an advanced level. So I guess at the end of the day, you could say here at 8020 Baseball, we're all about advanced simplicity. Speaking of 8020 baseball, last week on the 8020 baseball podcast masterclass, we talked about coaching catchers and coaching them to know whether to block or to scoop slash pick a pitch in the dirt. And an elite major league player shared out and I spliced in an interview or part of the interview was a 10 minute or so interview. I spliced in four minutes of it and he discussed in the interview two key items that are core to the 80-20 baseball hitting plan that we've been talking about for a few years here. So go back, listen to episode 153 if you haven't already. Most of you already have. So we're going to get here to 154 this week's episode. Now let's get into it. I'm going to start off by sharing a clip of a funny, funny coach. He's an ex-college football coach. His name is Bob Green. And this guy, almost every year, he goes viral on Twitter on all these social things because of his one-liners. So they compile some people, they go through and they compile interviews where he said some funny one-liners. This guy, Bob Green, you got to see him on video to really get the full thing, the full context and to really get the full vibe of this guy. I'm a big fan of laughing and comedy. One of my favorite podcasts. I don't listen to a bunch of podcasts, just of course, don't have time to listen to a bunch, but I have two or three that I really like. And one of them is a comedy one and it's really can be very helpful. And so I think keeping things light and cracking jokes, we had a fire out in the front, out on our street last night, then just the families and the guys on the block and their wives and the families and kids came out and we did a little fire pit out in the street. It's a fun group because it was light. These all, we all have our job, we all have our stressors, we all have things going on in our lives that are challenging right now, but it's fun to get out there. We laughed, just had a good time. In fact, my neighbor, Nick, who and I kind of, we kind of organized it. Nick played for Coach Bob Latticeur at De La Salle High School. Coach Latticeur was voted by like USA Today or Max Preps or whatever as the number one high school football coach of all time, like all time of any level. So it's kind of cool to talk to him because this is a guy who's gone through that program, saw it firsthand. And so anyways, we have this get together and it's just keeping it light. It's a group that keeps it light, like to have laughs, life's too short. So I wanted to add this Bob Green clip in here just as something funny because one, it comes from a coach and two, it's different. He's kind of different. The, his takes are very off the wall, kind of weird, but they are funny and I'm going to splice it in right now. Bob Green of Montana Tech. Oh wait, before I splice this in, I spent my summers in Butte, Montana. Montana Tech is in Butte, Montana. I would walk down from my grandma's house who lived not very far from there. I would walk down and play baseball and football down there using their fields, using the football fields during the summer when they were off. And I mentioned that I 
used to go to minor league baseball games almost every night during the summers in which I grew up when I spent my summers in Butte, Montana. I would go to the Rangers at the time had the Butte Copper Kings as their rookie ball team. Cecil Fielder, Julio Franco, those guys all came through there and they played there and they played at Montana Tech's on the football field. So the Montana Tech football field coupled or doubled, I should say, as a minor league baseball stadium. So I spent many yeah. hours, many a days, many a nights out there on this campus. So when I see Bob Green, there's definitely a connection there. And you'll hear one of his one-liners is about the water quality in Butte, Montana. I remember spending my summers driving out into the mountains and getting spring water coming out of a pipe in the middle of nowhere. I just know we never drank the water growing up unless they boiled it or we went and got it from. We would take 20 one-gallon jugs, my grandma and my brother and I, and we'd go fill those things up. And so you'll hear the line here. It's a funny one-liner about the quality of water in Butte, Montana. So with that said, here we go. Bob Green, one of the funnier coaches you'll ever hear. Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. And that's a double-edged sword. You know, it's kind of like uh, watching your mother-in-law go off a cliff in a Cadillac. <laughs> you know, you got mixed feelings. First of all, they got after it hard. I'm telling you, they were like a hobo on a ham sandwich. They were going hard all the way. He's like that black lab on the first day of pheasant hunting season. He was pulling at the chain. We're kind of like a woodpecker in a petrified forest. Just keep busy and look for opportunities. I wanted to raise my kids using a depth chart. Can you imagine that? I wanted that. Pam Green vetoed that idea. I got a short memory just like when I was in the third grade. Two of the best years of my life. I don't like that bottled water. I like that butte water. You get eat and drink at the same time. Some aspects look like we're really ready to play. A couple of other aspects look like we just got off Willie Nelson's tour bus. His attitude's positive. He thinks he could take on hell with a squirt gun. All right. There's some of Bob Green's best one-liners. I think what resonates and makes them enjoyable to listen to and funny, but also not just funny, but enjoyable to listen to is his attitude towards code. It was never like crazy. He was serious, but he kept it light enough to joke about it. So he was very serious about his craft, but he kept it light enough to joke about it. So there was a balance. You could tell he was intense, but he also kept it light. And I think that's something we all need to keep in mind in life, right? Is to make sure we do have focus and we do have some drive, but also to step back and uh, have a laugh from time to time. Make sure things are light. Kids that play light, kids that play free and easy, players that play loose are always going to be much better overall than the tense, tight players. And if we're tight as a coach, if we're tense, we set the tone as the leader, as the coach. We set the tone. We set the environment vibe for the most part. And if you can go out there with an attitude of focus and drive, but also keeping it light like Bob Green, then I believe you'll be on a balanced path toward success. All right. The quote of the week, the coaching quote of the week comes from Richard Kosh, the 80-20 principal. He said, quote, the way to create something great is to create something simple. The way to create something great is to create something simple. Huge, huge advantages is sitting out there. Huge improvements just sitting out there right for the taking, right for the improving, just sitting there by removing complexity, removing complexity and getting things simple. Minimalism, simplicity, that is the name of the game when it comes to starting and really going about 80 or 90% towards whatever it is you're working on, whatever skill or craft or position. And then later on, if you have time, then you dial in those finite details of those things that only really move the needle up half a percent here or half a percent there. 
All right, now part two, coaching leverage, coaching leverage. So it's important that we understand as coaches that we obviously would love all our players to be intrinsically motivated, to be intrinsically driven, to be self-driven, but that's not reality. And it would be great if all kids would just have their own consequences for themselves or they could self-regulate, self-govern. That would be great, but it's not the case. Now, I'm all about less, less authority, a less is more approach when it comes to rules and barking and yelling and all that. But there is a necessity, there is a need for coaches to have some leverage. Now the bear crawl, and I've shared out, there's an article on 8020baseball.com that breaks that down and I've discussed it on this podcast a few times in previous episodes. The bear crawl, to me, it's the best, and there's a lot of reasons why. To me, it's the best extrinsic motivator leverage that coaches have for in the moment, at that very time, at that acute moment in time during practice when they need to use something leverage to motivate their players yelling and talking and screaming and pep talks and all that and I think is very overvalued I think the best coaches are ones that have consequences fair and tiered consequences for their teams and I think the bear crawl is a is a phenomenal one and it goes back in the article I talk about how 20 years ago yeah about 20 years ago now maybe even over 20 years ago I was sitting in a class a kinesiology class at Long Beach state. And I remember one of the first things the professor told us, Dr. Grant Hill, he said, don't punish your players or students. If you're teaching PE, don't punish kids by using exercise as the form of punishment. Don't make them go run push-ups. At first, when I heard it, it was like, wait, what? It was weird. It was like cognitive dissonance. It was like, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. It was really a strange kind of sense that our thoughts that went through my mind really quick when I heard that. But after I kind of let it simmer and things like that for a little while and kind of step back, I go, oh my, I think he's spot on with that. And over the years, I've definitely seen that. And by using exercise as punishment, then we are then saying that indirectly, but in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter the difference between indirect or direct. We are saying that exercise is punishment, or we are sending the message that exercise is a form or is punishment or is in the punishment consequence category when it shouldn't be. Exercise should be something we're all doing. We're all looking forward to at least a little bit and we consistently do our entire lives. It's hard to sit there and tell kids that they should consistently do something their entire life and then turn around and say, this is punishment, that we're going to use that same thing that we're telling you to go do. We're going to use it for punishment. It's a little confusing. It's mixed messages. And it also ties a negative connotation to fitness. And so I completely agree. But when you're out there on the field, you need something. You just, you need something to go to sometimes to up the focus, to increase the motivation, the drive, the the hustle of your team, not necessarily physical errors. I'm not big on using this for physical errors in, in terms of like a ground ball goes between your shortstop's legs or a strikeout or something like that. Playing time is the best leverage piece for a coach. It's a little harder to use at the youth level than it is high school and above, but playing time's the best leverage for coaches, the best piece of leverage. But when you're out there on the field at practice and you need that, just right then you need that push, that extra leverage to use to help kids to really force them to focus more, hustle more, and they need a little extra push. Sometimes they just need a little extra push. Well, the bear crawl is to me the best. Here's why. One, it's easy to do. Most kids know how to do it. I use that with hundreds of kids and I've never had a kid go, well, I don't like, how do we do that? They just know how to do a bear crawl or they can figure it out really quick. It's very safe, but it is really challenging, very difficult physically just tiring. It's not fun to do and kids don't like it. They don't like it because it's tough, not because it's demeaning or any of that stuff. The bear crawl is a very demanding 
physical thing to do and kids don't really want to do it. And so they will do what they need to do to focus, to hustle, to get the task done, to do the drill better, to get the ball around the horn, to throw it around the horn faster, whatever it is you're doing, it will work. It will work. And here's the thing that makes it so much better than running or other or push-ups. Bear crawl is usually never associated with exercise or fitness. The bear crawl, I know it's part of some fitness and exercise routines, but let's be real. Push-ups and jogging, those are a part of pretty much every fitness routine. But the bear crawl, that's not really part of very many people at all, their fitness routine. So kids don't look at bear crawls as like a fitness, like push-ups or running or sprints, which makes it super valuable because one, it's harder than running. It's harder than running in terms of kids are going to just get tired faster than running. They're going to get tired faster than they would doing even push-ups. Bear crawl is very quick and tiring, easy to do. It's safe. It has a little bit of a fear factor. Like kids don't really want to do it. It's like, oh, bear crawls, man. That's tough. That ain't no joke. That to me makes it the best form of physical leverage, a physical consequence that you can use with your players. It's fast. It's safe. Now, the caveat to being safe is that you're doing it on a grass field. You're not out there in the parking lot or in some area where there's glass all over the ground or stuff like that. Of course, if you're doing it on a baseball field, if you're on the grass, you're good to go. I would be a little cautious on the dirt and it doesn't take very long. It doesn't take very long for those kids to be really feeling it and tying together the consequence with what led to that. And it just sends a message by doing something quick right there. It's great leverage. You don't want to overuse it. And if you have to overuse it, then there's something going on with your environment, your coaching structure, your practice structure and things like that. Also buy-in and trust and praise and things like that. We got to probably work on those. So it's definitely not like, oh, I'm going to just completely lean on the bear crawls. If you're using bear, in fact, you should be using the bear crawl. If you're coaching the right way, your consequences and your use of consequences should go down in a very nice symmetrical line throughout the year. And if you do a really good job, you can really have a steep drop off real quick within the first couple of weeks. By the end of the first month, you don't really have to use hardly any consequences at all. Just here and there, maybe every other week or every other practice. And that's if you're really dialed in. Although if you can make it through a full practice without using the bear crawl, you're onto something. But you also shouldn't go out there with a quota or the lack of a quota. You shouldn't go out there and say, well, I'm going to use the bear crawl today to send a message or at this, I'm going to use it this many times. It's just like the hitting approach with less than two strikes. You're not going up there as a hitter. The hitter shouldn't be going up there looking for a walk. They should be looking for a quality pitch that they can hit well. And if it's not there, then they take it. The pitcher dictates the walk, not them outside of that better disciplined approach. The same with the bear crawl and anything else. It should be dictated by the situation and by how things play out, not predetermined. With that said, you may need to use the bear crawl more some practices than not, depending on where the players are at, but you definitely shouldn't be using it more and more as you go through the year. So just want to hit on that coaching leverage. Coaching leverage is something that we just need and yelling and screaming at players is not leverage. It's not motivation. It's not a consequence. Yelling and screaming is not a consequence. Consequences are actions and things that they can actually see or have to do. Playing time is not a bunch of words. It's, hey, you're not playing or you're not starting or worst case scenario, you're not on the team. Uh, We don't want to get to there if we don't have to. But playing time or the consequence of less playing time is not talking about it. It's Did you do X? Then Y is the consequence. And in this case, say Y is less playing time. You're not starting or you got to miss a game or suspended. I know at youth ball, this isn't used as much, but it might need to be used because in the real world, this is how things work out. This is how life works. Just be sure to set forth your expectations and your guidelines very clear to everybody involved, the parents, the players, everybody. So there's no like, wait, hey, what? You don't want to catch people off guard with your consequences. So 
that kind of leads me to the final part that I wanted to hit on here for this topic of coaching leverage. It feels really nice to go out there as a coach. It feels really good to go out there confident knowing that you do have effective ways of leverage. You have effective leverage at your disposal when you need it. And when that's coupled with a clear, ready to go plan that's going to lift players up, that's going to get them to play more free, to play at a higher level than they were playing at yesterday and the last week by praising them, by giving them the confidence, by keeping things simple, by removing complexity that stifles them and slows them down and keeps them playing stiff and tense and confused, by giving them praise, by propping them up, by not getting angry and yelling, but by praising and lifting them up and then keeping the teaching of the skills clear, concise, so they can play free and they know exactly in a a simple way to execute that skill or that play. And then you have your coaching leverage. Then you have the bear crawl. You go out there with that and it's just so nice to have that feeling when you walk out on the field knowing that you're going to support and lift up the kids. And if they don't, if they need a little extra, if they need a little extrinsic motivator, you have one ready to go. You know the environment's going to minimize distractions, problems, issues, lack of focus. It's going to minimize. It's going to promote hustle and not stagnation, staleness, laziness. It's a great feeling, but you have to have some coaching leverage. And if you go out there thinking that it's all going to be kumbaya and every kid's just going to do exactly what you say and they're always going to be focused and hustling because they're going to take care of it all themselves, that's not the case. Think of it leverage as an accountability piece. It's an accountability piece. It's an extra accountability piece that the players need, that we all need. We all need that from time to time. And it's nice to have something like the bear crawl that you can go to and use when you need it. Just don't overuse it. Use it when you need it. Use it when it dictates. Be clear about it. Be very upfront about the expectation. Don't ever surprise your kids with it. They should know that what they did earned that. They should know before you even use the bear crawl or divvy out that punishment of the bear crawl, they should know that it's coming. They should not be surprised. They should be expecting it because you've been very clear with your expectations of them and your rules. And now the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is what you don't do. And what I mean by that is the worst thing you could do is threaten with the use. Well, first, I shouldn't be threatening your players at all, but by the perceived threat of or by kind of throwing it out there and saying, oh, we're going to bear crawl if you don't do this. If you don't do that, we're going to bear crawl. First off, be really careful doing stuff like that because now you're putting yourself behind the eight ball and you don't want to be there unless you have to be there. It's not a good place to be. And if you do put yourself there, you got to follow through. So make sure whatever it is that you're saying to the kids that you're going to do in terms of consequences, you are going to do because the first time and definitely the second time you don't follow through with the consequence as you've laid forth to your team, your players, even same thing for parents, you will start to erode and in some ways dissolve your credibility, your trust and your word. And if you lose your word, your trust, your credibility, you don't want to be there as a coach. For example, if your team is lollygagging around, picking up baseballs, their ball parties moving slow, they're shooting hoops. One of the best things I use on that is I used to have this problem, ball parties, picking up balls, shooting hoops, goofing around. Some guys weren't really getting them somewhere or they didn't get them all. They would leave a few over there by the fence and they only got what they needed to get or what they thought they should get. I told them we need every ball in there. There should be 40 or whatever, how many balls we were using. There should be 40 or 50 balls in there. And you have 60 seconds as a team to get them in. Those balls could be spread out 
out throughout the field. But remember, these kids can run from one side of the field to the other, even the furthest side of the field in 15 seconds. So if there even was a ball way out there, one of the guys goes, gets it, one of the kids goes and gets it, and they can get it there. I usually go 90 seconds from the start of a ball party if the balls are spread out pretty well, or if they're round, or 60 seconds. And then when I say, you will do bear crawls, we will do bear crawls to the center field fence and back, or usually what I would do the first time is center field fence and then jog back. I would say, hey, if you don't get the balls picked up within 90 seconds, we're bear crawling. And I'll tell you what, if it took them 91 seconds to get those balls picked up, they did bear crawls. They did bear crawls. Because if you want to be a coach that the kids always like, if they always like you, if they always like everything you're doing, you're not coaching right and you're not serving them right. Now, they should definitely trust you, respect you. They should want to play for you. You should be praising them. But if you're out there trying to be liked or you're trying to go out there and you want the players to like everything you do, you'll never make it in the coaching world in terms of being a good coach or the best coach that you can be for those kids. You just won't. So I don't want to get into that topic too much right now, but trust me on that. Your job is not to go out there and have them like everything you do as a coach. Your job is to go out there and make it fun. They should be laughing, enjoying it, but they should know if they cross the line, hey, this is the consequence that's going to be set forth. And I'd love the bear crawl because it's quick. It's safe. It's easy to do, learn. It has a kind of an intimidation piece and it doesn't resemble 99.9% of the typical exercise that kids will be doing in their PE classes or on their own as they get older at the gym or whatever it is they're doing to stay in shape and fit for the rest of their life. It's not going to really resemble that. All right. With that said, we're going to wrap it up here. Take this stuff out to the field. Take it out to the field. Use it. Trust it. It works. Go use it. Email me when you have success. When you have that success, email me. Even if it's just you talking in your phone, dictating an email, you know, just share it out. I don't care. Spelling, it doesn't have to be right. I know the message that you're sharing. I can get the gist of it. I love to hear what you have to say about the success you're having using this stuff. And until next week, take care of your health, take care of your family, your close friends, take care of your team, your players, your kid out there, have fun. And don't forget to take the bear crawl with you when you go out to your next team practice. And speaking of next week, I'm going to be talking and sharing out execution versus coaching up emotion, how to coach up execution versus coaching up emotion. And I think a lot of us, we hear of coaching up emotion. And I think there was this coach that shared out, I'll, I'll splice in a little clip from him where he spoke about execution before emotion. And I think it's very interesting. And when you hear it, I hope it'll reshape your paradigm a little bit so you can be better coaches moving forward. And then also next week, we're going to discuss, we're going to talk about Pete Rose and his approach to hitting when it talked about the different pitches and how to be ready and prepared for the different pitches. And I think it's very useful and it falls right in line with the 80-20 baseball hitting approach, hitting plan. So Pete Rose, hey, we all know some flaws, but guy could hit. And we're going to talk about one of the things that made him very successful in next week's episode. Go over and get your drill design guide, 8020baseball.com. Check out the articles, videos over there. You can support the podcast. You can email me if you're looking to support Bo at 8020baseball.com. And until next week, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field. 